Welcome to episode 160 of HubShots. In this episode, we investigate HubDB and whether you need to be a geek to use it. Also, restoring contacts and deals in HubSpot, plus fixing up what Facebook shares about a website page after you've updated it. You're listening to the podcast for marketing managers and sales professionals who want to grow better with HubSpot. Hosted by Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found. That'll be you. And that's me. And Craig Valley from Zen Systems. And that'll be me. <laughs> How are you, Craig? Oh, really well. And you know what? I just want to give a shout out to Paul. Paul, you know who you, who are. you are. Great to catch up with you this afternoon. We said we'd give you a shout out. Come and see me. So we'll see whether he keeps his end of the bargain and listens to and the this show. This is the episode. That's right. Hey, by yeah. the way, you know we're on Spotify now? I know. How good is that? We've had this on our to-do list for what? I don't know. Six months, a year. Forever. That's right. And you know what's interesting? I actually have people ask me because a lot of people now seem to be having Spotify subscriptions for their music and listen to podcasts on there too. So yeah. Anyway, link in the show notes for on Spotify if that's easier for you, or perhaps you're hearing us for the first time on Spotify. Thanks for joining us. All right. On to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is about using HubDB. Now, let's take one step back. What is HubDB, Craig? Yeah. So HubDB, I'll tell you what most people think of it. Oh, it's something geeky and technical in HubSpot that I won't know how to use. Correct. It's too hard, so I'll leave that alone. Let all the, the nerds look after that. And if that was what you thought, I totally understand it. But HubSpot's getting better at kind of surfacing this. So we've linked to a HubSpot blog post about it. And really, what is HubDB? It's kind of a way to put a spreadsheet into HubSpot as, well, we'll call it a database. But think of it like a spreadsheet get your Excel file, upload it into HubSpot, and then you can just make simple calls from pages to show that spreadsheet data on the page. So examples might be locations that you're in or teams, you know, when you have those team bios. If you're going to have that kind of information appear multiple times throughout the site, rather than repeating it or adding copy each time, especially if it's going to change, just put it into HubDB as a little spreadsheet list, and then you can call it in code. Now, I mentioned the C word code there. Straight away, people are, oh, no, you've got too geeky. Check out this HubSpot training. Academy training yes. on it. They make it so easy. It's really well done. In fact, the guy that delivers it, don't be putting off because he does look <laughs> geeky. You'll see him go, that guy's not a marketer. That guy's a developer. <laughs> yes. And you're probably right there. <laughs> we automatically relate to him. He makes it really simple. He does a great job. It's really good. Well, you've actually done the training, am I right? Yeah, yeah, I've done all of the training. I yes. just went through. It's really good and started building some little things in my portal as well. Anyway, so why are we mentioning this? The reason we're mentioning this is because this is going to become mainstream. Correct. Uh, I think over the next year or so, HubDB. People will just be popping out little HubDB things. It's getting a lot simpler. We'll just fire them up. Oh, yeah. We'll have clients saying, oh, can you just add that as a HubDB table? That's the way it's going to be. So don't get left behind. Yeah, and I think this comes back again, Craig, to understanding how we can utilize the architecture of HubSpot and what they're offering to better deliver what we're actually needing in an efficient manner. And I see this across the board, even with capturing HubSpot properties and using them in workflows. It's all, it's all kind of related. It's about take that time to actually plan and think about where it's being used, how it's being accessed and what you're going to use it for because that'll make a massive difference in your upkeep of your website and all the data. You just said a word, you said, and how it's accessed. 
which just prompted me. I wasn't going to dive into this detail in this, just in this little segment, but, and it goes through this in the HubSpot course, but one of the things they say, there's a pro and a con here. The con is it's publicly accessible. So don't put sensitive information in there. Put stuff in there that you would happily have on your website and Google crawling, right? Anyway, the reason they say don't make it sensitive is, of course, it's public accessible and there's an API you can get access to it. It means from other systems you could pull out that data. So if you wanted, you could potentially make your HubDB the source of truth for all your locations wow, or all your team bios and pull it out and access it elsewhere. That's probably not the main selling point of it, but just something to be aware of. Adding to that, we've got another feature that people are interested in. This is managing duplicate contacts under contacts. And there's actually a feature now where it shows you where it goes through and actually finds duplicates and gives you an option of what to do with it, which I'd never seen, which is fantastic. I hadn't seen it either. I'm assuming this is new. You know what? I would check the HubSpot product announcements blog for details on this. We'll get to that later in the show. (laughs) But yeah, there's all these things rolling out, but I'm getting no notifications of it. And so you find these things like it's really good. Remove duplicates. People have been asking for this. That's right. It is a good feature. Even the merging of contacts is actually much better now too. All right, on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this week, Craig, it's about restoring deleted deals. And you would do this by going to deals and then there's an actions menu and you can see restore deals. Now, why is this important? I would say this is important because people might put deals in and especially if you're in sales and you don't understand, you go, oh, I lost that one or, you know, maybe nothing happened with it. I'm just going to delete it out of there. And then... You find it popping up and say the customer calls, oh, I'm ready to go. Oh, where's my deal going? Because I deleted it. Well, now you have 90 days to actually restore that deal back into the deals dashboard from this restore deals area. Okay. So let me ask you a question because I was actually wondering when you'd use this uh, apart from just accidentally deleting it. And I was wondering, is there some typical use case where people are deleting deals they didn't mean to? I couldn't think of one. Well, I'll tell you the one I thought. I thought, oh, maybe on a contact, they've said, oh, there's associated deals and they click delete and somehow it's deleting the deal. Maybe, but I don't think that's the case. And then I was thinking, well, what, how would you accidentally, for them to put this functionality in, there's obviously a use case where this has caught people out. But have you ever come across people saying, oh, I've lost a deal and I need to get it back? Funnily enough, this week we're talking to some of the people in sales and this is probably more to do with access more than anything is where people have asked me, oh, I thought I had a deal against this uh, company, but I can't find it. So then I kind of went trawling. That's how I came and stumbled upon this is because of that. So as you understand in HubSpot, we've talked about user permissions before and what people can and can't see. And deals falls into that. And as we have businesses across multiple locations, that access information and they try to say, okay, well, for this state, we only want these people to look at it. And if a company lands across multiple states and that deal is associated with that business, then some people can't see it. And they're like, where is it? I thought I created it. Right. And that's how I got got to this point. So that's why I wanted to highlight it. Yeah, excellent. Good example. All right, Craig, on to our marketing gotcha of the week. All right. So this is a case that you've run into, which I'm sure many people have. We've had clients tearing their hair out about this. Yes. And so what happened here, a client of ours has an online store. They sell jewellery. They had a sale a little while back 
So we update all the page titles, many descriptions to reflect that so that when people were coming to the page, they were actually seeing that people were Googling it. Anyway, sales being finished now for like six months. We've reverted all the titles and descriptions and everything on the page that said that there was a sale. And what happened was my customer said, oh, she wanted to share that page with a few people she wanted to do some promotion with. And she was sharing it in Messenger. And what came up was, oh, it's like 30% off, you know, bangles and jewelry. She's like, Facebook was showing this. Yeah, That's right. So she was sharing it in Messenger to somebody and then she shared to me and she goes, why is it saying this? It makes no sense. And I said, oh, well, log into Shopify, check that your titles are correct, your description, the catalog is right. I logged in, couldn't find anything. I'm like, what is going on? Anyway, I tested it with you, sent it via iMessage and tried WhatsApp and a few different things. And then I went on a little adventure <laughs> to find out what was going on. And I figured out that I had to use this Facebook open graph debugger because it had basically stored all this information about this particular page that it obviously knew about before. And we basically had to clear out that data and get it to fetch it again so we could actually have the right title on that page. Yeah, so this is a common problem. And just to kind of summarize that, Facebook, the first time you share something on Facebook, kind of caches all this meta detail about it, the headline and things like that. So even if you change your website, Facebook doesn't go and go, oh, I'll check whether that's updated. It just has this cached version. And so, yeah, what you found is, well, how do I update that cached version? The answer, Facebook debugger. So if you Google the term Facebook debugger, yeah, it'll come up. Exactly. So, yeah, there's a secret source for marketing managers. This catches out a lot of people and they get very frustrated. So Facebook debugger, check it out. There you go. That's a bad name, Facebook debugger, by the way. Yes. Because if you said to... We've said people, oh, look up Facebook debugger. They're like, I'm not a coder, I'm a debugger. What is that? Facebook debugger. Yeah, it is. Maybe that is the best, best name for it. All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. And this is... All right, a bunch of articles, and we've got some more coming up in our resource of the week as well. But um, Brian Dean, we love Brian Dean, don't we? And by the way, shout out to Sue Allen, who many years put me on to Brian Dean. I said, oh, who is this guy? No, it's not very good. And then... <laughs> A while later, I go, man, this guy is awesome. He is so good. Anyways, updated his SEO guide for 2019. 2019. And, oh, by the way, have you tried loading this page? It takes a minute to load. Are you serious? It's a monster page. I wonder what that's doing for his SEO. Anyway, I'm talking a bit tongue-in-cheek here. But it is a monster blog post. There's so many images. There's videos. There's all kinds of things going on. So I do wonder how much performance is important to him. This is such a good post, though. It's worth the wait. And you can also get a PDF of it. He does a really good job of promoting a PDF. You get it on his newsletter list. So nice job there, Brian. But it's well worth it. He just goes through everything. It's so good. And so if you're a marketing manager, just wanting a bit of an overview on SEO, where it's at at the moment, your time would be well spent just skimming through this and picking up the key areas. All right. Now, tell me one thing that stood out for 2019 we talk about SEO, what is one of the things that stood out? Oh, actually, that's a good question. I don't know if there were things where I thought, oh, that's new. But he goes through everything like positioning. Uh, He talks about techniques. And some of these are refreshed, but some of them are building on older techniques of like, if you're number four, and we both know there's so many ads now, if you're number four, you probably no one's going to click on you. So it's all about just jumping up one or two positions. That's for many SEOs, that's their goal. Increase one position if Mm. you're on the first page. Mobile's a lot harder. Snippets is a key piece and he looks at, you know, what makes up a typical Google page because that's what changes so often. 
it's not so much that the techniques change, but it's really what's being it's featured. It's what's being featured. No, and so we might right. have looked at map listings uh, or featured snippets yeah. and things like that. And also, depending what you want to rank for, some topics and themes have different things that are more prominent. So I think it's just being aware of a lot of those things, the power of video, other formats, all those kind of stuff. So, yeah. little tangent mm. that I found out while I was at Google the other day is if you run dynamic search ads, it uses the same crawler as the Google crawler for organic. So if you want to find opportunities on your site to rank what Google thinks, you can actually have a dynamic search campaign running on that part of your site to figure out what you could potentially rank for or that Google thinks you could rank for. All right. So just remind me, dynamic search ads, that actually fills in keyword suggestions as well as just headline. That's right. So you essentially give it, I think it uh, does the headline. I think you give it some descriptions or it's the other way around. I can't remember off the top of my head. And you basically say, I wanted to crawl pages that start with this URL, which might be a whole section of your site. And then it'll basically crawl the site, pick up what the key messages are, and then find the keywords that you could potentially go after. And I didn't know that until I <laughs> was sitting there. Right. Tip. So dynamic search ads, how would marketers use them? They're in, in Google, Google ads? ads? Yes. You create um, a dynamic search campaign. Type of campaign. Yes. And that's how you would do that. While we're on marketing tips, just another shout out to the HubSpot blog. And this is Aja Frost, A-J-A Frost. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. My apologies. But she Maybe wrote- we should that, have her on the show. On I'd that. love to. She wrote that awesome article on analytics that we yes. talked about last week. Correct. And she's done again. Here's one on- um, Google Data Studio. Google Data Studio. Why are we mentioning Google Data Studio? Because this is going to be the norm within a year or- I say, you know how we talk, I just said HubDB is going to become mainstream. Google Data Studio, it's getting to the point where people are asking us about it. So it's no longer that's kind of, oh, the geeks are using Google Data Studio. It's becoming much more intuitive to use. And in the next year or so, you'll see it basically on the menu for all marketing teams. So why would somebody use Google Data Studio, Craig? Oh, so this is a reporting tool. So we love Databox. Yes. So Databox is wonderful for quickly getting dashboards together. Google Data Studio allows you to go a bit deeper, filtering. Uh, you do get some drill down options, things like that. But it's nowhere near as nice and easy to use as Databox, but it's heading that way. Lots of connectors, there's third-party tools that are connecting in. No connector for HubSpot yet, and people are wanting it. I don't know when it'll come, but someone there's a market gap there for someone to fill with a connector through to HubSpot. It can't be that far away considering we connect to Google Ads to get data. Well, Google Data Studio is a Google product, obviously. Yeah, I'm just not sure what the hurdle is there. Yeah. If someone in products listening. I'm sure there's good reasons because there's a lot of demand for it when you look at the Google forums. Yes. People are saying, I love a HubSpot connector. Why isn't it? So I would say there's some kind of technology integration hurdle to get over there and it'll come eventually. All right. On to our insight of the week, Craig. And this is something I found on Think with Google. It's actually a really great site. So I'd encourage you, if if you're in sales and marketing, I would be subscribing to this because there's lots of great content that often gets published. It's not huge amounts, but it's really good. And this is an example of a good one. And here's an example. And I went searching because I wanted some data about how marketing is changing. And I stumbled upon this. It's a Harvard Business Review quick take about the seven questions every chief marketing officer wants to ask Google. And they interviewed Tara Walpert-Levy, 
and she is she's a VP of brand and brand and I think YouTube falls under her as well uh, for agencies I believe with so, Google yeah yeah so have a look it's a video uh, well, it's it's, it's actually, audio it's actually a terrible video it's a terrible and video. it's terrible audio correct but worth the ten minutes of yes. of painful audio to hear her explain a few concepts. Correct. And so we're just going to highlight a few of them because I think this is really important. As you understand, if you're in sales and marketing, this is really some really some key insights into how behavior is changing and what expectations people have of other brands and businesses, right? Yeah, well, the first thing that they ask are well, what chief marketing officer is interested in. And she explained, well, they're interested in growth, nothing surprising there. But why they're so interested in how to drive growth is because technology and behavior is changing so rapidly. They're looking for trends. How do we keep up? And so then we're going to go through some of the things that are Correct. changing. And so one of the really key things is that companies need to be rooted in data and experimentation to rapidly iterate their marketing. I think this is a real key when we look at what is going on in the marketplace and what goes on online. Like nothing stays the same. You just think what we did a year ago and what we do today is very different, right? Mm. And we have to be adaptable. And I think that was being driven. Like this comment is so apt when we talk about what happens. Now, you need to be rooted in data. What's interesting, we just talked about Google Data Studio. Yes. Now the name is starting to make sense, right? This is about reporting. This is about digging in. This is slicing and dicing data to get insights. So that's another reason why we're saying Google Data Studio is going to be mainstream shortly. That's right. Another thing she highlighted is that people are impatient. They want things now and they don't want to wait for slow loading mobile websites. She even said four seconds is too long. Which I was like, wow. Like Especially on mobile. People on mobile. That's taking right. longer than three seconds, they leave. And so everybody knows, as of this week. Google has officially switched to mobile indexing first. Mobile first? Hasn't that been for ages? No. So it's been on. The, it's been there. Okay. And now that's actually the first port of call for indexing. It's mobile. Oh, okay. Which happened this week. So here's a here's a key thing. I would be constantly be looking or have some sort of check on a monthly basis or a weekly basis. There are tools that do this to monitor your site's performance. I know because you can start off with a really quick site. You've just had your site redesigned or you've optimized it. As time goes on, you get people that add images, add pages, and they forget to optimize these to actually fit the site, leaving really large fat pages, which slow down your website. And I've seen this happen across multiple websites and clients that we work with. So my advice Stay on top and be ahead of that. And look, we've said it many times, get decent hosting. Yes. The number of people that spend thousands on ads each week to go to a site that's slow because they wanted to save a couple of bucks on hosting just drives me nuts. Yes. You know, the other thing, people are researching everything. I like some of the examples. She said, like, she gave the example of a toothbrush. People just used to go in the chemist or supermarket. Oh, yeah, I'll get one off the shelf. Now they research it. People are researching everything. It's kind of like they don't buy anything without doing research if it's just on their phone. You see them in the supermarket, you know, checking, oh, yeah, just on on their phone checking stuff. There's a research first mentality. And so that's an opportunity for many people. So one of the things tying this all together, you know, this change in behavior to research first, the opportunity for companies, of course, is with technology and the platforms that they're using. Small companies are now very able to compete with large companies. The playing field's been leveled, to use a cliche. So that's the opportunity for companies. 
People research first, so they'll search you out. They'll look at, compare, all that kind of thing. So you don't necessarily need to have a huge brand budget. You've got the tech stack and platforms, which can provide that information for researchers. And that basically means you can compete. Correct. And I think really, as time has gone on, you need to be where people are when it comes to their their journey. And there was some really interesting statistics that um, I found when I was at Google is the amount of data points that people actually look at in their part to purchase. It was something huge. It was like, we're talking like hundreds of- It was in the hundreds, yeah. Hundreds of different data points. Yeah. And I was I looked at that and went, wow, it's just a whole new world. And it just gets keeps getting larger and larger as time goes on. So I'd definitely be looking at that as a way to reach people. Craig, on to our retirement of the week. HubSpot seems to have retired announcing any updates. Yeah, so what's going on? We're looking at their blog. I'm not getting the nice little orange notification. And those lovely videos they create about monthly updates. Yeah, I think I might have got one of those, but it's been a while. No, that was March. Was it? March, wow. What's going on? Do you reckon this is since their outage? They kind of thought, we don't want to promote that we're actually doing new stuff because people will come back and say, ah, that's great, but what? don't have an outage? I don't know. Why have they- So we're going to have a new section of the podcast called Updates by Stealth. That's right. (laughs) Like that duplicate, uh, remove duplicates. That's an update by stealth segment so, right there. So is the restore the deals and the yeah. contacts. Like, hey, there's an opening for us. We can be doing the <laughs> new we're future announcements. Doing, we're going to be doing the new announcements. Yeah, Look out for our HubSpot updates video. Okay, Craig, our resource of the week is- Yes, just very quickly talking about Murray Hayes and just talking about the Google Raiders guidelines update. So check that out. This is just insight into what Google looks for on sites to help with um, rankings and really the term page quality. It's everywhere now. Page quality, page quality. So read this and you'll get some more insights on that. Now, Craig, this week's quote of the week is from... It's from Matthew Michalowicz. And it says, the more you want your goal, the more effort you will put in. It's not that we can't do something is that we have low desire. All right. Now we have lots of bonus links at the end of the show. There's so many this week. There were so many good things and we had to pull them out of the show. So read those and you'll get a ton of value. And so we encourage you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You don't have to write anything. Just click the stars or whichever podcast um, app you use. If you'd love to get in contact with us or you need help with anything, we'd love to help you out. And wherever in the world you're listening to it, we just want to thank you for listening to us as we head up to our four-year mark at Inbound this year. And any feedback would be appreciated. So thank you very much to our listeners. Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.